Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. It's no secret for a lot of you that we are currently living through some very, very difficult and dark times. Now, my guest today is Lila Micklewaite, and she is the founder and CEO of the Justice Defend Fund and the founder of the global hashtag movement, Trafficking Hub. Supported by millions around the world, I am one of the many that does support her in her endeavors because I really believe in what she is doing. She has been combating the injustice of sex trafficking for over a decade and is a leading expert in the field. The trafficking hub movement that Lila continues to lead is a non-religious, non-partisan, decentralized global effort to hold Pornhub accountable for for enabling and profiting from the sex trafficking and criminal sexual, sexual exploitation of countless victims. The Trafficking Hub petition has been signed by over 2.2 million people from 192 countries. The movement and its impact have been covered in thousands of media pieces globally and over 600 organizations have participated in the effort, in the effort uh, adding the story box to that ever-growing list. And I wanted to highlight Lila's work, especially because... In this day and age, there is a lot of evil going on and many people may not be aware of what is actually happening. So it is our job, or I am taking responsibility here, to bring you guys more awareness in some of the things that are going on because you can do something about it. You can help. Your voice does actually matter in this instance. And if you want to get involved, if you want to help Lila and her work, you can find uh, Lila and at um, her website. I'll link everything below in the show notes for you guys to make it easy so you can just find her and get involved. But the reality of uh, MindGeek and Pornhub and all these uh, companies that are pretty much pushing and peddling sex trafficking for young kids, which is absolutely disgusting and despicable, is really, really dark and it needs to be taken down. And unfortunately, in in the current climate that we are living in, there is certain problems with trying to take this down. Unbelievably, I know why there are so many problems to try and taking these guys down. But Lila is a courageous woman. She is brave. She's fearless. Well, yes, you will get that um, as you listen to this conversation. And she is just someone who is on a a mission to put an end to this disgusting exploitation of our young kids and even just people in general. So I hope that you guys get a lot out of this one and, and you enjoy it. Um, and help support Lila and her incredible mission. She has the total support of myself 
and the story box and I'm grateful for her time uh, during this conversation. So you know what to do, my friends. Uh, if you get something from it, please uh, don't forget to leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. YouTube is now starting to get a little bit more traction, so you can go and watch the full video now over there. If you haven't subscribed, go and do that as well. Appreciate you guys for all your support, uh, all, all the ongoing support as well. Don't forget as well, I've teamed up with Zach and Joel Perna from the incredible brand Slouch Potato, which you can go and get 10% off any of their incredible loungewear and pajamas uh, if you want. Just go to slouchpotato.com and at checkout use discount code STORYBOX for 10% off. That is STORYBOX for 10% off. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into the story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Lila Micklewaite. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to have this conversation with you. I'm grateful that you're here. And like I said to you a moment ago, I'm very grateful for the work that you actually do. I know how busy you are currently because this kind of work is seems like it's never ending. Is that right? It is. And it's, uh, it, it is never ending. And it feels like at times, um, you know, it's just a problem globally. Trafficking is a problem globally that seems to be getting worse. Uh, but at the same time, you know, advocates like myself, organizations, others around the world that are working to combat this, you know, we just can't stop because the traffickers don't stop. So, you know, we just can't, we can't either, we can't let up. So, um, yeah, that's that's the current state of state of things. How do you feel when you sort of gain a little bit of traction, you gain a little bit of an inch, but then it kind of feels like they take a mile and all the work that you do, it kind of feels like it's like, what's the point almost? You ever have that sort of feeling? I used to have that feeling a lot more than I do now before trafficking hub movement really took off in 2020. And I've, you know, just had the wonderful opportunity of seeing kind of these big things happen and a lot of traction, a lot of ground being taken in this particular fight that I'm invested in to hold Pornhub accountable, to hold its executives accountable. Um, you know, it kind of can, it can feel easy to be discouraged when you kind of zoom way back and you kind of look at this as a global issue and all the ways that it's manifesting around the world. But when I think about this fight with Pornhub specifically, and I see the traction that's happened, I see the, the amount of people that have jumped in and um, it, I feel so encouraged, actually. I feel hopeful. I feel excited about the future. And I know that a lot of my colleagues in the anti-trafficking field have felt the same way watching what's happened, because in many ways we saw Pornhub and MindGeek, the, the company that owns Pornhub as this giant, this kind of impenetrable giant, but it's been really encouraging to see the ways in which so far they've been held accountable. So yeah, you got, you got, uh, uh, I believe it was Visa to remove themselves from Pornhub, which was a huge win. I saw that. I mean, what does it take in order to make this kind of stuff happen? Well, one thing it takes is just tenacity, I guess, and not giving up and kind of just being persistent and being a broken record about this. And sometimes I think about the people who are following me on social media and on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm like, I am a broken record. I am saying the same thing over and over and over. And I'm like, are they tired of hearing this yet? But I'm not going to stop because, you know, once you let up, then again, you know, the, 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 the fight, the other side of this fight can gain traction and kind of recover. And you just can't afford for that to happen because I'm aiming and this movement is aiming for, and victims are aiming for justice. And what justice looks like is not a slap on the wrist they recover and they go on their merry way. That is not what it looks like. It looks like full accountability. And when it's someone and it's an abuser, and I call Pornhub and its parent company, MindGeek, I call them a mega trafficker. I've called them that for years now. And when you're trying to hold a mega trafficker accountable, it you know it's something that just takes um, going after it and not relenting until you see these things um, accomplished and we're not there yet, but we're definitely gaining traction. So 
I would say be a broken record. Don't don't let the foot off the gas is the is kind of what I've learned about what it takes. Do you ever get tired and fatigued and a little bit burnt out? Um, I definitely, I mean, I think anybody doing this work or really any, any work, you know, any profession that you're in, I mean, if you don't take a moment to pause, sometimes you will get burned up and that kind of burned out. And that kind of goes against what I just said, right. About not taking your foot off the gas. And so I struggle personally with that, of knowing that this is intense and this, you know, like you can't be, you can't relent and you can't stop um, because then those who you're trying to help hold accountable can, can kind of gain ground and recover and whatnot. Um, at the same time, I know that if I personally burn myself out, then, you know, I'm trying to, I'm leading trafficking hub and it, it needs that leadership. And so I have to, at the same time, try to take, take care of myself, which is hard to do. Um, especially when you're fighting something like this, that can feel all consuming and the kind of the passion that you have for it is, um, it just is so, it's so motivating, kind of like propelling you forward as victims are coming to you on a regular basis. And that doesn't stop either. So, you know, as I'm talking to victims on a weekly basis and they're reaching out to me and I'm realizing the horror that's happening and continues to happen, it feels like, okay, we have, to, we can't just stop. We can't just take a break. There's no break here. We have to keep going. But at the same time, like you just said, I mean, I have to be careful because I don't want to burn out for sure. What, what do you do to take care of your own mental health? Because you are I guess, hearing a lot of these horrific stories from victims of sexual abuse and sex trafficking. So how do you handle your own mental health? I mean, one of the things that's been really helpful to me um, is just kind of the frame of mind that I'm in when I'm you know, speaking to victims, or if I'm having to look at content, like look, you know, people around the world since this started and it started to go viral around the world, people who are using Pornhub would start sending me links to rape videos. And these are, you know, horrific, real crime scenes. These are not actors or actresses playing a role. These are people who are actually in real time, you know, in those videos being sexually assaulted and abused all the way from children to adults, um, all kinds of abuse. And, you know, that can be really traumatizing even to see from, a you know, as a viewer. And I can't, you know, it's, it's nothing compared to what the victims themselves have experienced. But in a way, there's kind of a secondhand um, trauma to that. But one thing that has really helped me is to think of it as I'm, I'm a witness. They, these victims need a witness to these crimes so that I can say I saw it happen and somebody has to pay. Somebody has to be held accountable. Those victims need justice and we have to stop this. And so just kind of putting myself in the position of I'm a witness to these crimes, it feels like it kind of, it really helps in that sense. And then also having a hopeful outlook and just saying like, this is not all for naught. This is unto justice and change. And this is unto this never happening again. And then looking at all the progress and feeling just trying to stay in a position of being positive and hopeful uh, that this is actually going to change. Because then you don't get into despair. Because then if you're hearing all these horrific stories all the time and you're in a position of despair, then that can just be overwhelming. But if you're in a position of hope and knowing that this is going to change and all of this is part of that process, then it feels um, like you can handle it and, and it's actually helpful. So these victims are actually sending you videos that they're being a part of? Yeah, from victims, but also, like I said, it's also porn users. So, and wow. and even people in the porn industry. So, you know, even uh, there were at times porn producers who would have to go on Pornhub and spend hours a day trying to find their stolen videos because Pornhub not only profits from child abuse and trafficking and rape and spy cam videos and revenge porn, also called image-based sexual abuse, but they were also profiting from stolen content, pirated content from porn producers and performers. And so sometimes they would even be sending links. Like I was looking for my stolen content. I came up upon this horrific rape video. Can you report this or, you know, and so that was happening as well. But, um, 
but yeah, that's kind of the status of, of Pornhub. And I think one thing that's important for your listeners to understand is how does it happen? Mm -hmm. So how did this happen? How did Pornhub become a crime scene? I often say Pornhub is not a porn site. It's a crime scene. Well, why? It's because it's user generated pornographic content. So this is the YouTube of porn. So if you think of Pornhub, let's just think of how big Pornhub is. 130 million visits per day, 5 million visits per hour, 47 billion visits per year. They had in 2020, they had enough content being uploaded every 12 months that it would take 169 years to watch those videos if you put them back to back. Yikes. These are enormous, um, yes, enormous amount of content. That's not even including the images that were on the site. That's just the videos. <sighs> and what they were doing was allowing, and they still allow videos to be uploaded without verifying the age and the consent of the individuals in those videos. So people can go record a sex video anywhere on an iPhone, basically anybody that has a camera as a pornographer now, and they can upload it to Pornhub. And if you're not verifying the age and the ID and the consent of who's in those videos, then your site is going to become a wash with real sexual crime. And that's exactly what happened with Pornhub. And that's why we're trying to hold them accountable for that. How would you go about verifying a person's age? With ID. So they can, they, it's, you know, the technology is available now to verify ID. They can also do biometric scanning of a face to match an ID. And that kind of technology is utilized in a lot of different ways now. I mean, even with payment processors on, online, you know, you'll have to upload an ID, those kinds of things. And it's not going to be 100% foolproof, of course. There's always going to be things that could slip through the cracks, yeah. but it's going to do an enormous amount of good in preventing. Right now, it's like a free-for-all. You know, it was, they weren't even verifying the uploader's identity before December of 2020. Um and then in December of 2020, this is the, the trafficking hub campaign started um, the beginning of 2020. By the end of 2020, Visa, MasterCard, and Discover had cut ties with the public-facing transactions on the site. They had deleted 10 million videos. 80% of the entire website was gone in 24 hours after the New York Times did this expose that was just a groundbreaking expose. Yeah. But at that time, they started to verify the uploaders but they still don't verify the individuals in the videos. Yeah. I mean, I think with the the dangers that I've been seeing with AI technology and deep fakes these days, it, it's very concerning how the future is actually going to look regarding mm -hmm. how are you going to verify a, an actual person? And you did mention that some do end up slipping through the cracks, unfortunately. So it's a big, big area of concern, like how you would foolproof that to say, we're not going to allow any underage videos or even any videos at all on this site. I mean, it's just uh, the big issue, isn't it? It is a huge issue. And it's really concerning that a company like Pornhub, for example, even with human moderation. So, yeah. you know, I had moderators from the company come to me and kind of reveal the non process that they had. Um, 30. So, I, I want to explain to your listeners too that MindGeek is the company that owns Pornhub. Now, MindGeek, a lot of people have never heard of. Pornhub, most people have heard of. MindGeek owns a majority of the world's most popular porn sites and brands. They have a monopoly on the porn industry. They are the parent company of Pornhub. And they own the world's most popular tube sites too, like YouPorn, RedTube, Pornhub. Um, you know, they own XTube, all, you know, tons of tube sites. And they operate the same way. They had 30 moderators for all of MindGeek's porn tube sites, and they would have 10 per shift. So you'd have an eight hour shift. And those moderators were watching, you know, the minimum they were required to do was 700 videos per eight hour shift. But there were some moderators that were doing 2,200 videos mm. per shift, and that's impossible. So they were just skipping through with the sound off these videos, at the same time, they were not verifying the age and consent of those in the videos, right? So they knew that. So they were basically just playing this guessing game with the videos that they did view because a human cannot tell the difference and neither can a computer. 
you can't tell the difference on a reliable basis between a 16 year old body and an 18 year old body, a 15 year old and an 18 year old. You can't tell the difference between somebody who's engaged in rough sex and somebody who's being raped. It's all a guessing game. So unless you're actually taking those steps to verify age and consent ID at the point of upload, you know, it's just a, it's a losing proposition. And even more so that they only had they were doing that volume of videos, which in my view, there should be criminal prosecution for what's happened. Oh, absolutely. It's like, why do we have these laws in the first place if you're not trying <laughs> to really enact them? And then when you show actual evidence of a crime committed, they do nothing. And it's like, well, why have these laws in the first place? It's a bit backwards. It is. And that's what's important to me is ending impunity because mm -hmm. I know and those who are, you know, advocates in this field of anti-trafficking know that this is a financially incentivized crime, that this is a risk-benefit calculation for traffickers financially and otherwise. And so if they know the consequences will be harsh, that they will lose payment processors, that mm. they will potentially go to jail, that they will go to prison for distributing and monetizing child trafficking and child pornography, they will think and they will make different decisions. But as long as they think that the benefit of maintaining the status quo is greater than that risk, they will just continue. And that's why ending impunity for abusers is so important. And that is why the call to action for trafficking hub is not give them a slap on the wrist, let them say sorry and go on their merry way. Yeah. It's shut down Pornhub and hold its executives accountable. And then we set a precedent for others who might try to copy them. But we also need to put in place legislation and policy to prevent it from happening in the future as well. So that's really important. That's is, really important too. Is it just about shutting down Pornhub or are we going to shut down MindGeek? Is MindGeek the main proprietor or the main uh, trafficker, I guess? Or is it Pornhub? Yeah, it is MindGeek. So when you think, yeah. think about the lawsuits, you know, we're talking, we're talking about Pornhub, the website, but MindGeek owns Pornhub. So, you know, when victims are suing, they're not just suing Pornhub, the site, they're suing MindGeek, the owner behind Pornhub. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, you're correct in that we're holding Pornhub accountable, but we're actually holding MindGeek accountable. And speaking of lawsuits, there's been eight lawsuits filed. Some of those lawsuits contain multiple plaintiffs inside of one lawsuit, but even though it's not a class action, they've had over 190 victims suing uh, Pornhub and MyGeek across the United States and Canada. And the most recent lawsuit that was filed in Alabama a few months ago, um, you know, I'll, I'll just, it, it's, it's an example of how this happened and what's going on. So there was a 12 year old boy from Alabama and he was drugged, overpowered and raped multiple times by a man named Rocky Shea Franklin. And the videos were being sold on Pornhub from between five and $20 a piece. There was 23 of the videos of this child's rape. The titles of the videos indicated that it was a child. Things like, I won't repeat the worst things, but, you know, little nephew or uncle secret, things like that. Um, and police actually arrested Franklin. He's in prison for 40 years for what he did. Police had actually went to Pornhub and they demanded those videos be removed and they were ignored by Pornhub multiple times. It wasn't until the third time the police demanded those videos come down. They finally acted, but that was after the videos were on the site for seven months with 5 million users an hour able to download, screen record, view those videos of that child. And so now that. That child's abuse has been immortalized online. Um, and he and his mother are now suing Pornhub for what happened. And so that's an example of a lawsuit of, of, of a victim trying to hold them accountable. And, and MindGeek or Pornhub, that's American-based? So they're international. They have offices around the world. They have their biggest office in Montreal. So they have, um, you know, at one point they had 1,200 employees. 
uh, in Montreal, but they're technically registered in Luxembourg for tax purposes. They bank and they have offices in Cyprus, in Romania, in the UK, in California. They're kind of spread out everywhere. They're a huge company. So all the, I guess you could say, dirty places or dirty parts of the world they're operating in because they know they can get away scot-free almost. Yeah. And some of those places, it's really difficult to hold people accountable. Um, The interesting thing is, you know, that they are being sued in the United States because victims have been in the United States. They've had offices in the United States. Again, they have, they're being sued in Canada because they have offices in Canada. And then those consumers are in, you know, the number one consumer of Pornhub is in the United States uh, is the United States. And so uh, they are being sued in those locations. And we have yet to see how those lawsuits will play out. But so far, they have not been successful in dismissing those cases, even though they've tried to do that. Isn't it true that America is the largest sex trafficker in the world? Or am I getting Gosh, that? It's hard to pinpoint who, you know, what country has. The statistics on trafficking are so hard to pin down. And a lot of times they vary so much depending on what is used as a definition. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say that the U S is the largest you know, trafficker in the United, in the world, but certainly one of the, one of the biggest, um, in terms of the trafficking that's going on, um, here, but it's happening around the world. It's happening in every country in the world. And it's not just sex trafficking, it's labor trafficking and other forms trafficking also but yeah, i focus on sex trafficking is my kind of focus yeah i remember having several conversations with different people saying that sex trafficking and labor trafficking and all that sort of stuff happens in australia and i'm like what <laughs> i was i was gobsmacked but that's just the sad reality you've got people in positions of power that are really, really corrupt and money talks, money sells. And unfortunately, the the money problem is rather greedy and great and it drives people to do horrific things as we have. Yeah. It's just... 100%. I think also people sometimes don't even realize what constitutes trafficking. And they think about Liam Neeson and the movie Taken yeah. where they imagine people are like kidnapped and taken across a border and caged and sold that way. And that does happen. It's not to say that doesn't happen. That definitely happens. But so much of trafficking is a more subtle form of force and coercion and taking advantage of somebody's vulnerability, whether it's poverty or a history of sexual abuse or, you know, being young, for example, um, and anytime a child is used in a commercial sex act, it's an act of trafficking. So a lot of people may not realize that every instance of child abuse that was on Pornhub is an act of child sex trafficking because that sex act was commercialized. And it was commercialized because they highly monetize those videos. It's free porn, but it's not free. It is highly monetized where uh, they're selling ads around those videos. And when you click play before the video, after the video, and they're, they're also doing pay to download. They're monetizing user data. All of that is, is it's highly, it's generating hundreds of millions of dollars for the mega trafficker who I call MindGeek. And so you think about that and then you kind of re-understand or re, um, when you think about that definition, you can say, oh, wow, like the, the amount of trafficking that's happening in the world, if you think about child abuse being monetized, is even more than you could, you may have ever imagined. And who's the sort of sponsors that like are selling their ads to these to um mind it used to be companies like heinz and unilever and uh you know these mainstream brands but thankfully after all of this has been um exposed they have lost all of their mainstream advertisers so i kind of jokingly say, but not really jokingly that Astroglide and Weed Maps and KY Jelly won't even advertise on Pornhub anymore because they become a pariah. But you still have companies that are selling, you know, they're just these, they don't care about their reputation. Companies that, that have no concern about their reputation are still placing ads and they're selling 4.6 
billion ad impressions every day on Pornhub. And that's the primary way they monetize free porn on the site. Can our politicians shut this down? They absolutely can do that. They can, you know, the government can, uh, you know, uh, actually prosecute. I mean, they can, uh, they can be prosecuted in the U.S. and Canada and different countries where they're operating because in all of these countries, it's illegal to possess and to distribute and to monetize child sexual abuse and trafficking um, and rape and non-consensual content. Like that is not allowed. And it's a matter of will to actually do the work to hold these abusers accountable. And then from the legislative side, they can they can actually um, impose laws that can can stop this from happening um, in the future. Um, but yeah, the government has a huge role to play in actually prosecuting and I've yet to see it and I want to see it. And I think we should, we should see it. The big question here is why do you think they haven't yet? <sighs> you know, I think that's a question that so many victims ask about a lot of crimes. Yeah. Um, and I don't have an answer why they haven't, you know, in Canada, 70 members of parliament from eight parties wrote a letter, joint letter demanding that Justin Trudeau and the minister of justice initiate a criminal prosecution of Pornhub. So, I mean, the, the, the outcry is there. Um, but you know, we've had senators and members of Congress calling for the same thing in, in the U.S. And we're waiting. I hope that the situation is just that we're waiting because these things can take years. It could take years for a you know criminal indictment to happen sometimes. And so I'm hoping one day I wake up in the morning and I see the headline that says the owners of MindGeek and Pornhub have you know, are facing a criminal indictment. And that'll be a, a fantastic day for me and for the victims of Pornhub. Too much paperwork involved, which, <laughs> which it's just, it baffles my mind. If you got these actual victims that are crying out and saying, this is what happened to us. These politicians yeah. don't have a heart enough to do anything mm -hmm. about it. And it just amazes me how they sit back in their, their mighty chairs mm -hmm. and their privileged positions and they don't listen. Yeah. It's just like we, we're paying for them to make decisions on our behalf. And when someone has been a victim of a terrible crime, they continue to wipe their hands clean. And it's yeah. like, do you have a do you have any evidence at all that any politicians from your perspective would be involved in this kind of thing? You know, I don't, you know, I don't have specific evidence or information that any particular politicians have been involved. And to be honest with you, I've seen a lot of politicians that have really cared about this. Like I even mentioned, you know, 70 members of parliament coming together. They mm -hmm. had a whole inquiry in Canada where they did this parliamentary investigation where they called for the first time ever, they called the executives of Pornhub into the light because they had been hiding their identities for years. Like the owner of Pornhub, the 10th the most trafficked website in the world, not just porn site, 10th most trafficked website in 2020, Pornhub was the 10th most trafficked website in the world. And they were hiding the owners of the company. Nobody knew who they were. And so um, they, you know, called them for, they were using fake names, things like that. Um, so I have seen a, a number of politicians who have really cared, but at, this, at the end of the day, they can call for criminal prosecution, but then it's up to the Department of Justice to actually do it. And so, you know, I think that there's a disconnect there. Um, but I hope that that's, I hope that that gets resolved. Do you find that a lot of the victims of these that have actually uh, initiated some um, like lawsuits against MindGeek and, and Pornhub, do you find that they're, they're winning? They're winning so far. They're, they haven't won yet because, you know, we these lawsuits have yet to go to trial and unfold. But a huge part of the battle is winning their motion to dismiss. And not only against MindGeek, but against Visa. So there's a victim that's suing Serena Flatus, and she was the kind of the face of the 
big New York Times expose in December of 2020. And she sued MindGeek, the individual owners, as well as Visa for monetizing her abuse. And they, those companies lawyered up and they tried to dismiss those cases and they were unsuccessful. And so the judge said, nope, you cannot get out of this case. You are being held in the case. And that is a huge groundbreaking milestone um, because it paves the way for so many other victims now to come forward and to sue and they won't get out of those cases. So it's huge. Would you be able to put into perspective uh, for us the kind of things that you've been able to achieve regarding trying to take down MindGeek for us? 100%, because this is the exciting part. Um, like I said, in, you know, in 2020, when this all started, they were the, they were flying high, most popular, uh, porn site in the world, 10th most traffic site website with all those, you know, billions of visits. And, um, uh, by the end of 2020 and now in 2022 and then 2023, all that's happened is, and I'll just rattle off some of the biggest things that's happened again, 10 million videos came off the site, 80% of the site was gone in 24 hours. They've lost Visa, MasterCard, and Discover completely. So in December of 2020, they lost public-facing transactions, but we kept at it. In August of 2022, they lost all monetization uh, from Visa, MasterCard, and Discover, including on those ads that I talked about. Um, They've lost all major advertisers. Like I said, they were dropped also by business partners, Roku, Comcast, Xfinity, uh, they lost their social media platform on Instagram. They were permanently kicked off Instagram, losing 13 million followers. They were permanently kicked off YouTube, losing almost a million subscribers, permanently kicked off TikTok as well. Um, and they're facing, like I said, lawsuits in across the US and Canada on behalf of you know over 190 victims. Those lawsuits could total billions in damages when they go to trial. Uh, the CEO and the COO were forced to resign and they sold the company. So just a couple of weeks ago, you know, they were, they're in so much trouble. They just wanted to get rid of the company. So they sold MindGeek, um, to a new company. So that's where we're at now. And now who owns MindGeek? You're going to laugh when you hear this. It's a, (laughs) it's a company that was formed just for the purpose of purchasing MindGeek and Pornhub. And they called themselves Ethical Capital Partners. Goodness me. They've done nothing ethical. They've done nothing. They have no history except for buying a live crime scene. Mm. And as soon as the they purchased, it was all over the news. And the, there's a man named Solomon Friedman. He's a criminal defense attorney who has spent his life de- defending perpetrators, even rapists and murderers kind of serially taking the side of perpetrators over victims, whereas trafficking hub and advocates like myself, and we're serially taking the side of victims. But what he said in a statement to the Financial Times, he said the lawsuits against Pornhub were a misunderstanding and that they stand behind Pornhub and its processes, um, even though they don't verify the age and consent of those individuals in the videos. So it's a joke. I call it lipstick on a pig that ethical capital partners is buying Pornhub to try to whitewash what history, whitewash what's happened, but we're not going to let that happen. Trying to change the narrative like what a lot of mainstream media outlets are doing these days Mm -hmm. to cover up actual reality and truth because they're so corrupt. It's just not even, it's funny. It's just a, I call it a, it's just a, it's my, probably my favorite word that I use like, like there's no tomorrow, insanity. It's just, there's no other word to really describe what's going on. It's like, how in the world do you try and make sense of all this rubbish? It's just, how corrupt are these people? It, and how do they sleep at night? Like knowing full well that rapists and and these pedophiles, you name it, are allowed to walk scot-free and prey on kids. It's just unbelievable insanity insanity that's a good word it's a good word for it and it's true it's absolutely true and that's what you know partly one of the main reasons why i wanted to have you on so you could share this truth 
on a platform that actually shares the truth and not yeah. convolutes it and says, like, this is real. This is what's actually happening. And people need I think to the truth is the, is the way. The truth is so important. That's one of my favorite quotes. I put it on all my social media profiles. The truth is like a lion. Let it loose. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose. It will defend itself. And when you get down to the truth of what's happening and don't let words and, you know, these kind of facades and these uh, any, you know, all these things like ethical capital partners to kind of just obfuscate and to, to distract from the truth and just keep shining a light on the truth. Keep highlighting the stories of facts of victims, cases and what's happening. And I think that is really a huge reason why Trafficking Hub has been as successful as it has is because we focused on the facts. We focus on what has happened, what is true, and we just keep saying it again and again and again. Yeah. And that's what I think will ultimately destroy the injustice is the truth. If we keep saying it, repeating it, yeah. it's important. Don't be, um, don't stop being a broken record. As you said before, <laughs> persistence is really the key and, and not giving up. Um, but yeah, they, these people are just really unethical. I don't even think they really care about ethics to be, to begin with. It's just using it as a front, as a sort of a name to be acting, so to speak. It's just, it goes beyond Rebranding. My level of comprehension. <laughs> yeah, it's branding, it's narrative. And this is something that Pornhub has done from the beginning. It was really interesting and kind of actually disgusting for me to see what they were doing. They had this whole arm of Pornhub called Pornhub, Pornhub Cares, where they mm -hmm. would do these big PR stunts like save the bees and save the oceans and you know, donate masks when coronavirus was going on, they were like donating thousands of masks to hospitals and things like that. And then they would make a huge PR splash when they would do any of anything like that. And so it was just kind of tr creating this facade of these, you know, good corporate citizens that were doing good in the world. At the same time, their site was infested and they knew that the site was infested with videos of real sexual crime that they were profiting from. And I think that's just disgusting to see the way that they were putting forth this front to the world. And the sad thing is that so many people were buying it. I mean, they have like apparel. People wear the Pornhub sweatshirts and water bottles. And they had billboards in Times Square. And they're walking New York Fashion Week and everybody's buying it. Um, but we have to you know, expose the truth and then... And then it won't be that way anymore. To sort of finish off this conversation, because I know you've probably got to run very soon, but what are your thoughts on OnlyFans? OnlyFans. OnlyFans kind of blew up in 2021. I know that there was this big um, draw, you know, dramatic thing that happened when they you know, decided they were removing porn and then they were going to keep porn on. I think that there was some concern with them watching what happened to Pornhub. And I think watching what happened, you know, I, I've seen other websites reacting like X hamster, for example, is taking videos down. They're changing their upload process. Um, and the tube sites are reacting to what's happening to Pornhub in a domino effect. And in, in a lot of ways, that's good because they're going to clean up. They're going to make the site safer. I mean, OnlyFans... It, it, they need to make sure that those who are in those videos and that those images that are being sold on that site are legal, consensual adults and that there's not children and there's not non-consensual material. I don't know a lot about OnlyFans because I haven't you know, investigated it like I have Pornhub. I've heard some really concerning stories of illegal content that's been on that site. And so I would just say, you know, a warning to OnlyFans is don't end up like Pornhub because mm. you want to make sure that you're putting in those safety protocols in place um, to ensure that there's not illegal content. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and watch out OnlyFans. You don't want Layla coming after you. <laughs> i've got enough of a task going after mikey and pornhub right now yeah. but uh you know the, it's not even that i would you know what's going to happen is that 
the victims themselves, if there's abuse going on in these sites, the victims themselves are going to hold them accountable. And they're going to do that through civil litigation. They're going to do that through criminal prosecution. And that is ultimately, you know, whether it's Pornhub or X hamster or whatever site that is, once victims are empowered to see that they have a, a means to justice and they can pursue it, they will. And in that case, you, you don't want to be the site or the, the owners of those companies because you'll be in a lot of trouble. So it's, you know, it's kind of a, a warning to other sites who may want to copy or allow that content to go on that victims will come for you. <laughs> they will. And do that won't you, be good. Do you um, advocate for those people like that have unfortunately ended their life to have their videos removed? On oh, ab- I mean, absolutely. Yeah. If there's, um, you know, I, that's a huge problem with people who have non-consensual content online and they actually become suicidal in so many cases. Um, because one of the things that we didn't talk about is what happens to victims and that, you know, their trauma is immortalized online forever. It's a form of, it's, it's a, it's a terror to them on a daily basis. Some of them, they don't feel comfortable even going to the grocery store because they wonder who has seen that video. And it's such a torment to them that in many cases, they think that taking their life would be better than living day to day like that. And nobody should have to go through that. And of course, if, you know, they should have that, they should have that removed before they have, before they get to a place where they think that it's better to um, not live than to live like this. But even better than that would be to prevent those videos from ever getting uploaded in the first place, because sometimes an hour is an hour too long. If you think about Pornhub, 5 million users per hour could download or screen record that content. That's too long. We have to prevent it from happening in the first place. I think one of the main points for people, one of the main arguments to stop people from watching porn, if they have a heart at all, it's letting them know that a vast majority of those videos that people are actually going to be watching, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes in that person's life. So the the chances of you watching a video of somebody that has either committed suicide or some kind of violence has gone on in their life or even in the video, I think it's 99.9% of porn videos elicit violence. There's like some form of violence in the video. And I think if people understood that there are a lot of actual porn stars or actors that have ended their own life because of the kind of abuse that they've been suffering while going through the industry. So, and and you may never know who, who has actually ended their life. So mm-hmm. that is another startling realization. Like when I found that out, I, I didn't know this uh, until probably I think it was 2021 when I had a conversation with an ex star uh, on on my show and he was telling me it, it was just, I was like, whoa, I didn't realize that or think about that. And then I saw uh, the news that an actual star, unfortunately, she was, I think she was 20 or 21 years old. She ended her life because of the amount of bullying and harassment that she mm. copped online. And her videos are still up on mm. on Pornhub. Mm. All to see. Yeah. Ugh. It's, I mean, from that perspective of just being an empathetic person and being, um, but it's hard, you know, that sometimes sadly isn't motivating enough for people to think about what the experience is of somebody behind the screen, even when it comes to blatantly illegal content. So even when it's a, you know, potentially a child. So sometimes I highlight something a little bit different to see if it motivates people in not watching illegal content or content on these tube sites where they're not verifying age and consent. And that is that you could be committing a crime Mm. that you could potentially be held accountable for because it is illegal to download, to possess, um, to distribute, to purchase child sexual abuse material. And on these tube sites, they are not verifying that that is not a 16-year-old. 
And that is an 18 year old. They're not doing that with the individuals in the video. So you could be committing a felony level crime yourself and you could be, and I've spoken or I've been in touch with people who have been held accountable for that. I talked about Rocky Franklin, who was now in prison for 40 years for, you know, what he did as an uploader. Um, But the people who downloaded and purchased that content, they could be held accountable too. So I hope that scares some people. Yeah, should. I hope it sends chills all the way down their spine as they're listening to it or watching. Um, Mm -hmm. Layla, thank you so much for your time. Where do you want people to connect with you, find you and learn more about your work? Sure. Well, you could join. Now we got 2.3 million people from 192 countries who have signed the Trafficking Hub petition. You can sign it at traffickinghubpetition.com. We are still going. We we are going to keep that petition open until Pornhub is shut down and its executives are held accountable. So you can join and you can share. There's lots of information, lots of stories. You can get educated there. And then you can also go to justicedefensefund.com to learn more. Or sorry, .org. Um, and if you want to keep up with the fight, I am posting daily on my social media. So on Twitter, on Instagram at Lila Micklewaite, you can follow the fight there and be part of it. And a lot of people, you know, they don't, um, think sometimes that a like or a share actually has impact, but it does. I was so encouraged just in the last 40 days, just sharing victim stories. I just had this inspiration. I just want to reshare victim stories. And I was doing that and over a hundred million views on those tweets and they were going viral. And it wasn't just, I'm glad that people saw and shared it. More victims were coming forward, more whistleblowers for the company were coming forward because of that. So when you like, and you share and you do that, it is actually meaningful and it has real consequences in real life for the fight. So, so do that. It only takes one. And then the compounding effect of that really starts to spiral. So yeah. I love following you on Twitter and on Instagram too. Uh, thank you so much for your work. Please don't stop. We need more people like you. And I'm glad that I could share a little bit more about what you do and the reality of the current world that we're living in. Uh, but thank you so much once again for your time, your wisdom, your advice, your story, and for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Thank you for having me. It was fantastic to talk to you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.